We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. We are officially back on our regular track, which means a regular three-episode week, three podcasts, um, and, of course, the most important thing, the first of those podcasts for this week. Today, the one you're listening to literally right now features... My better half, at least professionally, my my better half actually just wants to take the baby for a walk. But you are my better half in all things Nixdom, Jeremy Cohen. How how are you, sir? I'm good. I can live with that. You know, you know, I I did not birth a child or two for that matter. Deuce. But uh, it is fitting that you know we have we did not come prepared today wearing the same shirts, and yet here we are. We're both wearing our KFS Big Fifteen shirts. So um, you know, if that's not Simpatico, the yin to my yang, whatever you want to say, uh, the, or the yin to no, yeah, that was right, that was right. The um, peanut to my butter. <laughs> sure, exactly. Uh, then I don't know of all the things that, of all the food analogies that popped into my head. That's the first one. Yeah, I would have thought peanut butter to my jelly. Because now you're thinking that makes a lot more sense. Butter, set, like yeah, I don't know what that. I feel like peanut buttered peanuts probably does not taste. Very good. But. We have uh, we have already. This is maybe a new record for going off the rails, but that's fine. We could get right back on it. So um, we are recording this actually on uh, Friday before the weekend because uh, my daughter is getting christened on Sunday. So um, that's going to be a, a fun a fun thing, I guess. Right? Christenings are fun, Jeremy. I, I know you, you probably you're don't. The wrong person. I was about to say. But I'm, probably, I'm sure it would be a blast. We're keeping it small. There is no party. It's just it is the christening and then we're going out to dinner. Um, so we're doing this a little early. So um, hopefully there is no uh, breaking news this weekend that requires our uh, deep insight. I, I have a feeling, though, things are going to be a little calm for, for a bit, um, at least until we get deeper into the playoffs. You know, you'll hear your free agency um, or trade rumor here or there, but I think we're going to we're going to have a little bit of downtime here before things start to really ramp up. So we thought um, what better time than to set the stage for the summer 
in a very specific way. And it's a way that a lot of people have been asking. I know me about I know I'm sure they've been asking you about um, probably for months now, which is um, about the salary cap and about where the Knicks are, where they could go. Um, and I guess where things stand, you know, right now in terms of the decisions that they have in front of them um, and, you know, kind of just like the big picture, like we know they have a lot of money, but it's a little bit more complicated than that. Um, so I guess before we get into the nitty gritty or maybe you just want to get into the nitty gritty, is there like a big because this is this is your wheelhouse, Jeremy. Is there a is there a big overarching theme that you would like to present before we get really into this a little deeper? I guess the bigger thing here is there are a lot of numbers floating around in terms of how much money the Knicks have and at least to spend. And the truth is it's really hard to put down a, a definitive amount unless you basically say, oh, well, they're going to do this or that. Like it's contingent mm-hmm. on a lot of different things. So for example, um, people might think, oh, well, they you know can create say $50 million and then sign a star and then maybe try to get another star and then re-sign a lot of their players. And that's not really how it works. Um, There are obstacles in place that try to prevent that from happening. So I guess the plan, as John, you were laying out, is that we're kind of trying to use this as the foundation for what we can do. And along the next however many weeks, we can, um, you know, kick it around, see what we can do and and make some fun things happen. Yeah. I mean, at at its very, at its most basic level, um, you know, the NBA for, for anybody who's not like well-versed in this stuff. And I forget that not everybody is um, there's a salary cap, which means you're only supposed to be allowed to spend uh, so much money. Of course, in reality, I think um, all but two teams went above that cap this year, right? Um, Us and the, and the thunder. Um, So there are obviously mechanisms by which you can go above the cap. And we're going to talk about some of those today. Um, but it's interesting. And I'm again, I, we don't name names on this podcast, but I was reading uh, a, a uh, something written by, uh, let's just say one of the local writers recently in which they were talking about like the concept of cap holds and not the concept. They were actually referring to cap holds and like, because the cap hold is this, it may like it, like sometimes cap holds don't matter. And uh, for instance, the Knicks are in a position right now where um, the, uh, you know, never say never things can, again, there's so many permutations of this stuff, but like, Cap holds probably don't matter to them for reasons that we will get into. Um, so on that note, I guess we should just get into it, right? Sure. And I guess the one thing also to put in, I mean, because a lot of you are also going to be listening to this. You're maybe not going to be watching it on YouTube. So that's totally fine. I'm going to try to be as um, explicit, not in terms of cursing. I, I mean, could, I could do that. But just in curse, terms of... <laughs> as we God damn right. Uh, <laughs> but the idea of, you know, putting it together so it's... it at least sounds to you like you can understand it without necessarily having to see it. Uh, the visually impaired, so to speak. So um, yes, without further ado. And as you're, so Jeremy, in case you didn't get read between the lines there, Jeremy, of course, because he's Jeremy has a whole um, spreadsheet and, or is it a spreadsheet? Is it a PowerPoint? Is it a, it's a spreadsheet. Yeah. It's a spreadsheet. Okay. It is. Um, laying this stuff out. Um, I, as he's getting this up, um, which I think he's getting it up right now. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll maybe I could start out um, by because you're really going to take the lead on this um, by just saying that there is a baseline that every team operates from. And that is the guaranteed contracts that you have on your books for the season moving forward. Um, and the Knicks with 
maybe one exception or actually, you know, I think I might be making that up. Jeremy, they have the least amount of guaranteed money in their books next year out of any team in the NBA. Correct. Uh, that sounds about right. I mean, the only thing, the thunder probably will eclipse them based on the fact that they will, you know, they'll still have Horford on the books most likely. And they've got this new pick that will be in the draft yes. and they'll have um, others at their disposal as well. So, and, you know, they could add another player if they, they feel necessary. So I, I think it's safe to say that as they go into next season, yes, the Knicks will have the least amount of money on the books in, in contractual obligations. Yeah. And we should say, so what, what is that guaranteed money? Um, RJ Barrett is, is guaranteed. He's only entering obviously the third year of his rookie deal. Um, uh, Obi Toppin second year of his rookie deal. Um, Kevin Knox uh, fourth year of his rookie deal. And then Emmanuel quickly um, second year of his rookie deal. Those are the only um, players on the roster who have fully guaranteed contracts for next season. Quickly, Knox, Toppin, and R.J. Barrett. There's a fifth player who also has fully guaranteed money on the books next season, but unfortunately, he's probably living his best life in, oh, I don't know. What do you think? Joakim Noah is a, he's a can, he's not a Cancun guy. He's I a, don't think he's a Cancun guy. No, he's, I mean, he could be like somewhere in Queens right now. He could uh, be. You know, or he's like, Mr. Worldwide to me. He can go he's, anywhere. <laughs> he's got basketball money. His dad has tennis money. Lots, I mean, he of, can, lots of man money. of the world. Yeah. Man of the world. Maybe in France. That's another thing. <laughs> I don't think he, if Joe Game Noah is in France, right? If you are in France right now and you come across Joe Game Noah, make sure you send uh, send him our regards. Um, and uh, he is so for, for not playing basketball for the Knicks next year, he is guaranteed um, a certain amount of money $6.4 million. Um, to be exact. Um, and then there are other, there, there are two other guarantees um, on the books. One is uh, Julius Randall um, as we're going to talk a lot about Randall today, but at its very most basic uh, he is guaranteed $4 million next year from the Knicks, um, which he will uh, get if they waive him um, and tell him to go on his merry way. My inclination is that they are probably not going to do that and then pay him $4 million to not play basketball. So for all intents and purposes, moving forward, um, we should uh, look at Julius Randle as the the full amount um, in addition to the that small guaranteed portion, which I'm not going to talk about yet because it gets a little complicated. And then, and Jeremy, I'm going to turn to you on this. There was a report that Norvell Pell's contract next year is partially guaranteed. Is that correct? Um, it's possible that it is. I thought it was a team option, but again, maybe it and, is. And this goes, to, uh, I thought that I remember seeing something along those lines as well. Um, and maybe as, as I'm breaking it down, if you want to look it up and again, for full transparency, um, if I have something wrong that you see here, uh, anyone out there that you are paying attention to, let me know. I am by no means uh, infallible. I, I want to make this the best it can be. And, uh, I hate spreading misinformation. So if you see something that you think is awry, please uh, feel free to reach out to me. And there's um, also like, uh, just so everybody knows, um, there there is not like one place where you can go for, for all, like stuff comes out in dribs and drabs in terms of reporting. Like for instance, I, rem- I vaguely recall reading something that said Norvell Pell's contract was um, uh, partially uh, guaranteed. Uh, for Vildoza, we don't fully know the terms. See, like, that, see but that's funny because that one I'm pretty sure is a complete team option. 
Um, so Norvell Pelican, this is what Barbie Marks had reported a, a couple months ago. It is, um, it was for $500,000 this year, next year, um, $1.7 million with no protection. Not exactly sure what he means by no protection. And then the following year, a team option with no protection. So, so that would not be non-guaranteed then, right? If I'm reading correctly. I think so. So maybe that is, right. maybe that's a fully guaranteed 1.7 million. Yeah. For Luca Vildoza, my understanding is that when we get to his fourth year, it's actually going to be like the Mitchell Robinson contract, which we've talked about before, which is that it is a team option, but it's also not non-guaranteed, which the Knicks could either make him a restricted free agent, the you know that fourth year, um, or he could become an unrestricted free agent after his fourth year. So, so right away, we're getting into the weeds. All right. So we're going to try to, we're going to, yeah, we'll to take it step by step. We'll be we're going to take it step by step. But at, at the very least, if you're like, come on guys, just tell me generally how much money the Knicks definitely have committed. Um, you could look at it as Randall uh, Barrett, uh, Toppin quickly, um, Knox, um, you want to throw in Pell. And did I forget to mention and the two anybody? first round picks? And the two first round picks. Okay. So what, why do those matter? Well, it matters because um, when you are a first round pick in the NBA, you have a guaranteed contract coming your way. Um, and there are uh, salary slots for each pick in the draft where it is a, you can go up to a certain amount of money based on where the player is picked. So we know right now that the Knicks are going to have the 19th and 21st pick in the draft. That could change. They could package those picks and move up to the 14th. They could, you know, sell those picks. They could trade those picks for a player. But as of right now, there is a certain amount of money that's going to be allotted to those picks, which is um, $2.7 million and $2.5 million respectively. So if you add all that money up, um, plus the Joakim Noah money, it is, I will, well, I'm actually going to add it up right now, but Jeremy, why don't you take us on to the next uh, stage of this bad boy? Sure. Um, so I also wanted to break it down and uh, Jeff Siegel kind of create, he did a lot of great stuff. He works for clutch sports now, but he did uh, a current, a projected and a max room. And it's just to kind of show like three different options for what the Knicks would want to do. So if we look at the current, for example, uh, I, I guess maybe should we break it down by player each? And then I, can I go from there? Yeah, sure. All right, cool. So um, what John, you said about Julius Randle is spot on. Uh, so he's going to make more than what was initially suggested uh, because he made the all-star team and the Knicks made the playoffs. So uh, it was a $945,000 bonus for each. You add that up, that should be $21,690,000. Uh, and of course, that's also important for if there were an extension because it's 120% off of that versus off of the original number which is why when you see like $106 million max, that's the old number. It's really more like 116. Anyways, uh, I agree. Randall's not going to get non-guaranteed. Uh, I originally had the max room being him for $4 million to just be paid to go away. But at this point, the Knicks yeah. just aren't going to do that. So I'm going to include and, the full salary. And just for any of you crazy people out there like me, because I thought of this at one point, I, I have thought, uh, or I had thought at one point, well, I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah, you do. Cause I, I yeah. texted you about it months ago. Um, why don't they, if they want to try to get around this idea, cause they can only max him at a certain number this year. Why don't they waive him non-guarantee him, but with the um, obviously the understanding that they would then sign him 
to a new contract right now, which can go above the most that they could pay him right now, which tops out at 26 point something million next year. And Jeremy, of course, pointed out to me that there's still that pesky $4 million. The $4 million just doesn't vanish into thin air. For instance, uh, Alfred Payton this year didn't just get paid his $4.7 million salary. He got paid his $4.7 million salary plus the million dollars they paid him to go away. Uh, talk about insult to injury. Anyway, um, I still think there's like a 0.5% chance that maybe they're like, cause they could, they could wave him and then stretch that 4 million. If they're, if they do the math in their head where it's like, well, we could get him at a certain number and it's a better number than we would get him for. I don't want to get into that, but like, just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. Um, and for, for the record, if the Knicks did stretch his number, it would be $4 million over three years. So you do the math. It's a little over, well, I guess it's like $1.33 million. Um, the one thing that's really interesting, and again, I do not see this happening whatsoever, but because Randall is on that non-guaranteed amount, if the Knicks really wanted to do, you know, like do something with it and create space on draft night, his salary is only worth $4 million. And I'm not suggesting that they will flip him, but the point is that if you wanted to trade for a star or you wanted to do something, anything, Randall doesn't count as his last season salary of 18.9. He doesn't count his next seasons of 21.69. It's like this weird limbo period where he's only worth $4 million. It was like how the Knicks could have traded Wayne Ellington for, you know, because he was only worth a million dollars before they non-guaranteed his deal. Really don't see that happening whatsoever. It's just kind of a, a fun, weird time where like anything goes, but it's not going to go. It's like the Wild West on draft night. Um, exactly. So just before you go on, I just want to say that I did. Uh, so calculations for, again, the guaranteed money that the Knicks have right now, which includes Noah, is about $51 million. Um, and that is with the salary holds for those two um, first round draft picks. Now, um, you need to have 12 players on your roster. So if you're keeping track, um, Randall uh, Barrett, Top and Knox quickly. Um, I included Pell in there and the two first round picks. That's eight players. You're still four players away. So what do you do? You have to put in um, salary holds. Um, I know we're going to get into salary holds in, in a bit, but those are, what are they up to about a million bucks right now? Nine They're, points? Uh, roster charges. Roster charges. Sorry. Yeah. So, so no, it's fine. So roster charges are the minimum salary. Yeah. Um, each one. Right. So, um, but, but you're on the right track. We'll, we'll get there in a moment. Um, because it's, it is important. But uh, next, I guess we'll just quickly do RJ. He's not going to get non-guaranteed. In fact, his yeah. contract was already picked up last year. So the fact that I have it in blue for a rookie option, probably irrelevant because it's already been picked up. Yep. Um, next, you'll see Derek Rose. Derek Rose has a cap hold of a little over $9.9 million, basically almost $10 million. So the funny thing about the roster charges is that you actually, if you have those players still on the books, then you wouldn't have the roster charges accounted for. So it's not just like eight players and then you have to figure out four roster charges to get you to 12. If you keep their cap holds, they don't factor into the roster charge. So it's that sort of thing where like you then actually lose out on cap space. So for example, if you want to pay Derek Rose and make him stay, uh, if you paid him more money, if you think you're going to pay him more money, than what his cap hold is worth, you would keep his cap hold on the books because you can then figure out a way to then go over the cap to re-sign him. Mm -hmm. It's all about trying to maximize the cap space there. Whereas 
someone like Alec Burks, for example, or uh, Nerlens Noel. Like those are guys who, if they were to be paid less, I, I don't see them being paid less, but if they were, you could then re-sign them because it's more advantageous for moving the pieces around. So um, let, let's pause for two seconds because I want to make two things just very quickly clear. It, it, the First of all, we should say the cap for next year is uh, projected at 112 million dollars. So if, if you're just if you're listening to this and you're just like, okay, so wait, what's the absolute maximum the Knicks are going to have to spend um, if if they, um, well, what's the most they're going to have to spend? It's going to be in the neighborhood of um, fifty eight ish million dollars. Now there's some hurdles to get to before we get to that point. But what Jeremy, what you're talking about right now with cap holds. So what is for, because I'm sure there's some people out there who may not know what a cap hold is. A cap hold is basically saying you can still have um, the rights to the player specifically for the purposes of going over the salary cap to sign them, which means you may not have cap room, but as long as you have their cap hold, you can exceed the salary cap to pay that player. The thing is, it only really, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I know some of this stuff is a little kooky. Cap holds only really come into play when you are an over-the-cap team. Is that fair to say? Yes and no. They definitely affect teams that need the money, uh, or at least are over the cap, and then they can respawn it. Like Jordan Clarkson was a great example of why Utah was smart to get him because they were, you know, his capital didn't really matter because they were over the cap anyway. Uh, they were able to resign him. But Cap holds can also be an obstacle for other events. So, for example, I mean, the Nets, right? When they signed uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they couldn't also keep D'Angelo Russell at the salary he was going to command because his cap hold was like 30 some odd million dollars. Yes. So, or somewhere in that ballpark. So it was a, lot, it was a ton of money. <laughs> it was right. actually, I think it was close to 30 million. It was, yeah, it was around yeah. the Porzingis number. Mm -hmm. So by doing that, you kind of had to then, figure out a way to get around that salary and they could have renounced him and then cleared the space or they could have done a sign and trade, which, which they wound they up did. doing. So, so it, 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 you're half right. Yeah. So, but I guess the, the point here is that if you're talking about how the Knicks can maximize their, their, their cap space, um, the easiest way to do it is to take all these cap holes and vanquish them. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. If they wanted to, you know, clear the decks and we can run through that as well. I'm sure we'll do different simulations to see what it's like, but yes, you're right. If you wanted to maximize your cap space and you were willing to rid everyone off of your roster, that's how you would do it. And well, when we say rid everyone, rid all rid the every, who every free agent. Yes. yes. Every free agent. Of the okay. Right. Okay. I just want to make that clear. No, I'm glad you did. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and I, one player I kind of glossed over is Frank Nielakina. That's the example where, you know, his cap hold is worth, $18.5 million. He's not going to make $18.5 million. He's not going to make anywhere close to that. So if the Knicks wanted to re-sign him, which I don't think they will, but if they did, then they could re-sign him for like, you know, four, five, whatever million dollar you want to say. Could be less, could be slightly more, although I don't see it being that, that way. Uh, that's how they would be able to maneuver in terms of their cap space. The, um, the interesting thing is because of Frank, I think Frank makes the difference between them being able, should they cho so choose, being able to operate as an over-the-cap team and not, right? Sort I think, of. Yeah. He, he definitely plays a big part, yeah. um, but that's a good point. We, we will get to that as well. Yeah. Um, Obi, he's under contract. The first two years of the player's contract are fully guaranteed. There are no options available. 
Obi's in the second year. He's staying. Uh, Kevin Knox, his fourth year pick, or I glossed over Alfred Payton probably for a reason. Uh, <laughs> Alfred Payton, I, if I had to bet my life on it, would not be back. But I probably could have said that last off season, and I would you'd be dead, be present. Um, but again, that. there are there are um, there are cap all of these players, whether you hate them or love them. As of right now, there are cap holds for all these players on the books. So again, that there is a, a function for the Knicks if they wanted to operate as an over the cap team to to pay a certain amount of money to keep them. That's why we're going through this. Anyway. Right. Right. Uh, then yes, Kevin Knox, his uh, fourth year was picked up last year. So he's guaranteed salary. Reggie Bullock is similar to the other free agents. Uh, Vildoza is a non-guaranteed contract, but I'm just going to pretty much presume he will be here. Uh, the only reason he wouldn't be is I guess if he got hurt or I guess another reason would be if you're traded, I'm going to assume he stays. So he's here. Uh, and then you have the two first round picks. Um, the 19th pick would be uh, almost 2.8 million, and the 21st pick would be uh, a little less than 2.6. So the interesting thing about that is um, the amounts listed, those basically it's 120%, which would be their cap hold, right? So there's a, a rookie salary that's determined based on cap figures. It's very confusing, but it's, you know, it's out there. And then it would be 120%. Well, teams typically pay their first round picks 120% of that anyway. So uh, I think like one of the only picks over the last few years that did not get that might've been um, uh, Kevin Porter Jr. Actually. Oh but, um, yeah. I vaguely recall that. Paid, but- I think a hundred percent of it, you can get 80% to 120%. But again, most of these rookies get paid 120% of what they would be making, which is the same as their cap hold, which, then works out either way. Um, But I have it as estimated because, because it depends on what the salary cap is. If the salary cap changes, so do the rookie numbers. So that's and we should say that the, the salary cap number we're going off of right now, which is $112.4 million, that's an estimate. The league gives teams the final figures for what the salary cap is. um, I think on the eve of the new league year, or maybe on the day that the new league year starts with this year, which this year is uh, August 3rd, 3rd. Something like that. It's the, basically the first day that you can negotiate with free agents. It's, it's either the third or the fourth. I forget which one. Anyway. Um, okay. So we just basically laid out all the numbers and, and situations for all the people. One guy you did not mention, and I'm not sure if you um, intentionally glossed over him, was Mitchell Robinson, who I also didn't mention earlier when I was going through all the list of guaranteed money. And that's because Mitchell Robinson isn't guaranteed a dime for next year. The Knicks can tell Mitchell Robinson to go take a hike if they want to. Um, although... Well, I don't know. Do you want to get into Mitch now or are you saving Mitch for later? You tell me. Well, no, I just wanted the reason I didn't get into Mitch was because we just have a few numbers left. Okay. Because uh, I'm just going down in uh, I'm in descending contract order. Oh, yes. Okay. So we do have a couple to get through. Uh, quickly is the same thing as Toppin. Um, and then here we are. We're at Mitchell Robinson. So the Knicks have two options, as we've uh, discussed. Well, I guess three, but technically two. They can either let him go to restricted free agency by declining his club option, or they can pick up his club option and let him hit free agency in 2022, or they can pick up his club option and they can extend him. So they can do any of those things, but if they want to maximize cap space this year, um, they would probably want to do, well, I mean, they could, they could really do any of those options. There are ways around it. If they picked up the option um, that doesn't affect cap space this year. It actually probably, like you save $200,000 because his cap hold 
is a little over 2 million and his salary for next year is uh, 1.8 million. So if you really were trying to nickel and dime, you could do that. Um, but then if his cap hold were there, then same thing could be said. It's really only about $2 million. And even if you extend him for the following year, you're basically then saying, okay, well, we're committed to closing out 2022 cap space. Uh, yeah. M- Mitch is a really key figure in, in all of this because the Knicks um, and thanks to um, Scott Perry and uh, his uh, partner in crime, uh, who, which, which, which agent it was this, it was Raymond Brothers, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the second or the third agent, I think, by that point. Whatever. Raymond Brothers essentially, uh, on Mitch Robinson's behalf, signed pretty much the worst contract you could sign as an agent. I mean, is there, let's just call it like it is. Um, he gave the team all the power. So the Knicks have, you know, this great um, opportunity to like negotiate with him you know, throughout the rest of the summer if they want. And all the while keeping that $1.8 million um, on the books while they're trying to figure out a number to keep them around long-term. Of course, the alternative, as you said, Jeremy, is to wipe away that number. And then it turns into a, a, you said a $2.2 million cap hold. Um, Uh, A little over two. A little over two. Yes. 2.07. But the nice thing about that is you could then agree with Mitch on a number, but don't sign that contract until you take care of all of your other free agent business. So that doesn't clog up your books um, in the meantime, which is a nice thing to be able to do. Exactly. Uh, And then we really have three pieces of information left for the roster. We can get going. Uh, Taj Gibson. He also has a cap hold. It's pretty small, but it's there. Um, Norvell Pell. You know, we've talked about that. The one thing to do about Pell is you could decline his team option, make him an unrestricted free agent, which he would have been otherwise. And um, then you can wipe away his contract to see if you, if there's anyone worth squeezing in, you could do that. Then you could always try to re-sign him to say, um, you know, a, a minimum salary, which wouldn't be far off from that 1.7 million number. Uh, I think Pell has like three years of experience. So uh, maybe Sounds if right. he were, if he were re-signed to a minimum contract, because again, you can fill up everything and then sign guys to minimum deals because it's a soft salary cap. So Pell would really maybe be losing, I don't know, um, three or $400,000. And uh, you know, and that's not a small chunk of change, but in the sense of, of basketball, at least it's like, that would be a maneuver that you could make because he's a replaceable player. And we should say, I, I just found another thing. Ian Bagley, who um, does not get this stuff wrong confirmed the Pell's deal is non-guaranteed for next season. And the team option is for the following season. Interesting. All right. So for 22-23. So really good contract. For yeah. So right now I have changed that and that. So Look at this. A, real time. A, real time. Fantastic. We got a non-guaranteed contract for Norville Pell for uh, the 2021-2022 season. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, 
and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, JJ breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The last thing yes. is the Pistons pick, which belongs to the Knicks. Yes. Uh, those of you watching will see that there's no salary listed. It's because second round picks do not carry a cap hold. So similar like with Mitchell Robinson, the Knicks basically that year, I want to say, used their, uh, I think it was their mid-level exception as part of it. They used it on him and they used it on Hazonia, if memory serves. And they signed him to this deal. Um the Knicks could sign this pick out of cap space. They could sign it out of the room exception, although that seems unlikely because that caps out of uh, two, at two years. They could trade the pick entirely. They could give the pick a minimum contract. There, there are several different options, but that is why it is listed, but there's no salary attached to it. Um, you just brought up an exception. I'm just trying to jump in with stuff that people might be wondering as we're talking. So um, a lot of times you'll, you'll hear uh, – uh, people who talk about the NBA talk about exceptions to the salary cap and specifically um, the mid-level exception, um, which is something that um, teams uh, get to use uh, typically when they are over the cap. Um, the Knicks do not have access to um, any exception that they would get if they were. Um, well, let me rephrase that for if the Knicks decide to operate as an under the cap team, they will not have access to in one of the over-the-cap exceptions. Instead, they will have access to the room exception, which is like the mid-level exception. And Jeremy, jump in if I'm getting any of this wrong. I'm pretty sure I'm on point with this. Um, the, the room exception is smaller than the mid-level exception. The mid-level exception is about 10 million bucks. The room exception, I think, is like, this is about half that. It's a little under five. Yeah, it's a little under five. So that kind of sucks. Um, because, but it also makes sense because the whole point of an exception is like when you're an over the cap team, they want to give you some money when you're under the cap team, you don't need the money as much because you're an under the cap team. So, um, but the, but the thing about that is that the Knicks will have, if you want to look at it this way, um, a bonus 
whatever, four point eight or nine million dollars to spend. The thing is, you just you can't just like add that onto your salary cap space. You have to you have to fit a player into that um, room exception, which Jeremy, as you were just saying, probably wouldn't make sense to do for a rookie because it limits it at, at two years. Right. For the room exception, yeah. For the room exception. Um, so then you're talking about, well, okay, well, maybe we could, you know, sign Derek Rose to the room exception, or maybe we could sign Alec Burks to the room exception. The issue is those players would have to be willing to take a starting salary under $5 million. Do you think Derek Rose wants to be paid under $5 million this summer? Do you think Alec Burks wants to be paid under $5 million this summer? Um, you know, Nerlens Noel, Reggie Bill, go down the list. The point is, it it may be challenging for the Knicks to to bring back one of their own players for a number um, that is that is at that amount. Not to say they can't bring in somebody else, um, or who knows? Maybe Derrick Rose is so in love with Tom Thibodeau, he just you know he wants to do him do him a solid. We'll see. Okay, so I just wanted to throw that out there as well. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Um, and yes, it's they're two different buckets. You've got the overarching cap space, and you got the the room exception. You can also split up that. Uh, that's certainly fine. But I guess going to while we're on the topic. So yes, for the mid level, uh, if the Knicks were to re-sign everyone and and stay above the salary cap and and not dip into anyone from free agency, they could do trades. But as long as they stay above the salary cap, then they are able to essentially keep that mid level exception option. They can sign a player for around ten million dollars. Uh, it would actually hard cap them. Uh, which we can get into another time, but that really wouldn't affect the Knicks too much. We don't. We don't need to talk about the hard cap. We right do now. not. That is that's a little too, too advanced for the moment. Yeah. Um, I, I would love to have a conversation in which the Knicks are hard cap because it probably means that it's good. It's a good thing. Actually, we, really good. we can have that conversation right now because last season the Knicks were hard capped. They just, it just didn't matter to them. They uh, they made that trade with the Rockets for Austin Rivers. It was a sign and trade. Sign and yeah. trades hard cap you. But yeah. anyways. Um, so, yeah, we we trying to lay all this out. The Knicks are looking at the room exception, not the mid-level exception, just unless – well, actually, no matter what, really, I think it's it's safe to say. I, well, I was about to say, that's – I don't – I, I want to make sure everybody's clear. We, we keep talking about these, these – um these um cap holds and everything and the possibility of the Knicks operating as an over-the-cap team. Is there any realistic possibility that or, or reason why you would see the Knicks – Wanting to operate as an over the cap because if it, let's just spell it out, if the Knicks were to operate as an over the cap team, it would essentially be them saying we want to bring back everybody from last year's roster and limit the the changes that we could make to the roster to a who we could bring in for that mid level, which again is ten million dollars. So for all the if you're listening to this and you're fancifying about this player or that player. $10 million is not a lot of money in the NBA today. Um, and Or whatever trades that we could make. So you're essentially what you'd be doing is taking free agency off the table this summer, which I don't foresee them wanting to do. Do you? I don't. Yeah. And it also, if they take it off this summer, then they're basically saying, we're kind of taking it off next summer. Uh, I mean, you could do sign and trades, but it's really basically saying we need to find our next star through the trade market versus yeah. let's keep other options open. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's more likely than not it's the room exception and you sign that player for one or two years. Reggie Bullock was signed for two, but second year was non-guaranteed. So you can you can play around with that number. Yes. Um, so yeah, I guess kind of a, a review thus far and then we can maybe do a little bit more. 
uh, simulating. So it's $112 million for the salary cap. And then subtract that. You have Joakim Noah's dead money of about $6.4 million. And then if we want to look at the projected, because I think that's really the one to focus on, if we are keeping the cap holds of Derek Rose, Alec Burks, Nerlens Noel, Reggie Bullock, and Taj Gibson, um, then pretty much we're looking at what would become $21.4 million in cap space, which is far short of the max for a player like uh, with zero to six years of experience, like Alonzo Ball, um, which is uh, short, very much so of the seven to nine, uh, which is short of, I'm trying to think of what player is even a vet, like a, a nor, um, Norm Powell. Norman yeah, Powell. Norm Powell probably mind. for 21 million. This came to my mind. And then it's very far short of the 10 plus year, uh, which is $39.3 million for Kawhi, uh, for a, a Kyle Lowry, you know, something along those lines. So mm-hmm. what gets fun now is, okay, well, maybe we don't want to include Nerlens Noel into our plans. How does that factor in? That sort of thing. So, John. Well, hold on. Yes. Briefly before you go on to this, I, this is another one of those things I want to make sure we're clear on. If you vanquish a player's cap hold, so for instance, if you take Derek Rose's cap hold or Nerlens Noel's cap hold or Alec Berg's cap, any of these players' cap holds, and you toss it in the garbage and you light the trash can on fire, um, it does not mean that those players may not be back with the Knicks. Is, is that not right, Jeremy Cohn? That's correct. Uh, my understanding is that you could also sign players for more if you rescind their rights. So Alec Burks, right? He can only make up to his cap hold because he was signed for one year. Yep. That's that's kind of a the snafu with the rights that he has. So the Knicks could sign him for $7.2 million. Or, again, my understanding is they could just rescind his rights and say, we actually want to pay you more than that, and then sign him once again. Um but it's, you know, Reggie Bullock's a trickier situation. The Knicks can really probably only pay him up to around the $12 million mark. I don't see them doing that. But if they wanted to, they could. That's an option that they would have. In, unless they, again, use cap space to bring him back, which right. I think, the as I see this, the, the most likely scenario with all of these players that the Knicks had last year and may want to bring back next year is they're going to bring them back um, using 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 cap space um, because that, that would seem to me to be the most likely um, outcome. Exactly. So, so, okay. Um, Brains. I'll be the brawn. Let's talk this out. So I, I think the, I mean, as I'm just kind of looking at this and I'm like, all right, well, where should the, I'm, if I'm looking at this as the Knicks, I am looking at it as what I and we're going to go through some very specific scenarios over the the weeks um, to to come in which like bring in this player, bring in that player. What's it going to cost? I I think I just want to maximize my cap space um, without without sacrificing the stuff that like really matters to me. So I, I think what that means is like I think the Mitch. The Mitch situation, I don't know. Do you want to, is that the first domino to fall? Because don't they kind of have to decide what they're going to do with Mitch? It like at kind of quickly. That's my thinking as well. And I was kind of uh, thinking about this same scenario, even this morning of like, what are the Knicks going to do? And my sense is that if they have um, a good understanding of 
where the best free agents are, uh, that will help dictate, you know, whether they stay or go, that will help the Knicks make a more informed decision because like, you know, I mean, unless they want to make him restricted free agent, no matter what, which they could do. It's it's possible. It absolutely is. It's just, again, like that means that you are also looking to 2022 because if you don't get 2021, um, like there's just a lot of different things at play. And again, you could either pick up his option and that's it. That's what his salary is for the year. Or you could decline it and make him that, restricted free agent, but you could then keep waiting. And then he's like your finishing move. So even though you are beginning the process, so to speak with his contract, you can also find a way to end the process with him and, and kind of come full circle on that front. I have, I have a prediction. I'm going to make a prediction right now. I think Mitch is going to play for $1.8 million next year. I think they are going to, um, I always get the language wrong. They're going to pick up his team option, correct? That is mm-hmm. the right. That is the right verbiage. Um, I think they're going to pick up his team option for one point eight million dollars, and I think that they will try their darndest to negotiate an extension with him. I do. I do not think that they view the prospect of losing him long term as so dangerous that they will want to. Um, lock him up as it were, um, you know, or, or, or get his restricted rights right now to the point where his salary next year is going to inflate by whatever amount that it, it's, it, it would inflate by. I mean, and, and, and again, just so we're putting numbers to this, if Mitchell Robinson signs a new contract um, and if they make him restricted and he signs a new contract and that, and that contract starts at $12 million, that means that they are going to be paying Mitchell Robinson 10 more million dollars or 10.2 more million dollars more next season than they would have otherwise needed to. And I guess I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I know why they would do that because they don't want to risk losing him, but I, I don't think that they will do that. Do, do, do you care to make such a prediction right now? I don't think you're wrong. I think another option is basically the Knicks saying to Mitch, Hey, Mitch, um, this is also a chance for you to bet on yourself because yeah. you were doing some really great things and you got hurt and then you came back and you got hurt again. This is your opportunity to rebound from that. No pun intended. And basically try to give yourself more money than you would have gotten than what we can give you. Yeah. Because if Mitch is getting, you know, like three years and $30 million or four years and 40 million, something in that ballpark, that's like Thomas Bryant money. That's really not a lot to well, go off of if you if you feel like you have the confidence to step up and make more for yourself. So I think both teams are, or b- both parties in this both case parties. are willing to bet on Mitchell Robinson to have a bounce back year, uh, which benefits both. And I think you could even add that to the Julius Randle situation, which is that, you know, I personally would love for the Knicks to re-sign Randle. I could, I could see Randle saying, no, I'll bet on myself. And I could then see the Knicks saying, you know what? That's fine because if something happens the following year where we find a player on the open market or in the trade market, whatever it is, who's actually better than Randall and fits with what they're doing because they have Obi Toppin, because who knows what other scenarios could present themselves. That's another thing that they could consider. So, and again, I I do think the Knicks will dip into the 2022 salary. I don't think they're just going to conserve everything. They're going to spend money and they should. That they should spend money. They shouldn't just bank on 2022, um, but they'll do it cautiously. And I think by doing that, it's 
It's being patient with Mitch and, and being willing to exceed the cap to re-sign him uh, in 2022. And it's just kind of playing it year by year with Julius Randle. Um, two, three, three quick things. Two on Mitch, one on Randall. On Mitch, I wonder if the thought of playing next year on $1.8 million contract is so unpalatable to him that he might um, take – if I was the Knicks, I would, I would bet on it potentially being unpalatable to him and present him with an option where he's like, well – we could pay you now, but because it's going to really jam up our cap space for this year, we can't give you the full, like what you're probably going to earn next year. We got to give you a little bit less than that, but we'll, you'll be, it's guaranteed money and you'll be getting paid a lot more this year and sign into a deal that starts at like seven or $8 million this year. Um, so then at least you're not, as I just said a minute ago, you're not out like $10 million in cap space. You're out more like five or $6 million in cap space. That's one thing. Two, I really am going to be curious to see the market that Jared Allen sets. So Jared Allen's a player that has been compared to Mitch Robinson many times over the course of their respective careers. The, it feels like the, the reporting that I've, I don't, I, I don't know how much of this to trust and how much to just toss by the wayside, but it sure seems like Jared Allen thinks he's going to get somewhere north of $20 million a year. Is that, what you kind of get the same sense of? I had heard that when that initial report of like the five years, $100 million came out, it was to scare other teams That's away in some right. capacity. Yeah. So I don't think Jared Allen's going to get $20 million. Like, you know, I, I, I wouldn't give him more than what Miles Turner's making, for example. And I like Miles Turner. Miles Turner's making 17 or 18 something like or something. Right. right. Yeah. Even which when is, you which is Capella's for- about uh, Capella's actually, no, Capella's contract. Talk about a contract that's aged well. He's at fits like 16 a year, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's not yeah. bad for him either. So it's I think the market for Allen is probably closer to 15. But then again, it's like Mitch has a year less of time in the NBA compared to Jared Allen because Jared yes. Allen has four years on his resume. Uh, Mitch is going into or would be going into a free agency where he's hurt. And Jared Allen, that did not happen for him. He's shown more consistency. And I think that. People just generally prefer, you know, Knicks fans aside, I think there's just an idea of Jared yeah. Allen being a better player than Safer, Mitch. Safer right. player, I think. Safer yeah. floor, for sure. For, so yeah. when you factor all of those things in, it's like, yeah, Mitch, you could certainly stand to make money, but you can make more. All you have to do is bet I, on yourself, and we're willing to bet on you too. We can work together on this. So I'm with I'll you. Be, I'll be interested. And then just on the Randall thing, because, again, that's probably been the most discussed uh, topic amongst Nick fans so far this offseason in terms of the salary cap is concerned, which is kind of funny because it's the thing that affects everything else the least. Because again, there's a maximum amount that they could offer him right now, which tops out at $26 million. And by the way, let's I want to get this out too. You're going to hear conflicting reporting on what the most the Knicks can pay Julius Randle is because you will read in some places that the most they could give him is four years and $106 million. Both Jeremy and I feel that it is four years and $116 million. We have both spent time in the CBA. As I read the CBA, as I read the CBA, the bonuses that he earned for next year, based on his all-star berth and based on the fact that the Knicks made the playoffs, means that the max that they could sign him to on the extension right now encompasses those that money. That is how I read the CBA. Apparently, some other people read it differently. I guess we may find out this summer. 
right? Might. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we're going on the assumption that the most that they could pay him on um, what would be the first year of extension would be 26 point. Uh, what is it? 26.3? Uh, a little over 26, like 26.1, a little under oh, 26.1. 26. Well. Okay. Um, no. So, but actually even I have it right here. Oh, there, there you go. go. Oh my goodness! Look at you. Um, more expensive. This is a, for a more macro view. For more those. macro view. But even if they agree to that contract again, they could wait until you know September to sign him to that contract. It is not going to. Um, and even if, regardless of how long they wait, it's not going to affect anything they do this summer because the the, the that extension doesn't start until the 22-23 season. So whatever they decide to do with Randall, other than potentially waive him, which I, again I don't think we're going to see that, yeah. um, it's it's not going to affect their plans for this summer. So I think the long and the short of it, maybe we could finish up here, is that um, if the Knicks are going to want a lot of money to spend this summer, specifically in the neighborhood of you know, close to $60 million, whether you want to put it, what, what is the number actually? You, well, you have it at 50, 51. Yeah. I, that's the thing. Uh, I've seen the number 60 thrown around quite a bit. I don't understand how people are getting that. That's the thing. Like I don't get how they are coming to that exact number or around that number because it just doesn't really make sense. Like even if you change the Randall number, right? Yeah. Like it's not going to be $60 million. So I, I, I'd love to know how that number has come about exactly. Yeah. Uh, it seems like it was just thrown out there. But. Well, because people have different, I think people have different, like you have, d- did they see in Bagley's report that Norval Pell is fully guaranteed? Or did they not see in Bagley's right. report that Norval Pell is fully guaranteed? Like, so there's little stuff out there. They're going to have north of $50 million to spend. And realistically, I want to say this too. Like Kevin Knox is due, what's Kevin Knox due next year? $5.8 million. Okay. Ask yourself. Is there a team in the NBA, one team, it only takes one, who is willing to take a one-year bet on Kevin Knox and pay him five point eight or pay $5.8 million for the privilege of seeing if Kevin Knox could be an NBA player? My assumption is yes. There mm-hmm. is such a team out there such that if the Knicks wanted to trade Kevin Knox for a top 59 protected second round pick in the year 2028. Um, they will find a team willing to make that transaction. So realistically, could the Knicks figure out other ways to get more money? Yeah, of course. I mean, they could also you know, trade away Obi Toppin if they want. I don't think they're going to do that. So like I, I am looking at it realistically as like, they're going to, they're, they're more or less going to be able to have access to, all the money that they could realistically want this summer. And I, and I say that with, with this specific thing in mind, and then I'll turn it over to you, Jeremy, and we'll finish up. Like, if you don't think Kawhi's happening, do, do you think Kawhi's happening, Jeremy? Do you think Kawhi Leonard's going to be a Nick next year? How are you feeling about that? I'll, s- I'll say this. I mean, they're down 0-2 as we record they, this. They Maybe they'll are. be 1-2 one, one, by the time this episode drops. I don't know. I think, uh, so listening with your podcast with Andrew, uh, and what you're saying, how Kawhi's not going to be Nick. And, and, you know, if we get flamed for that, or if you get flamed for that, so be it. Just throw it back fine. in my face, please. Right. Uh, I'm in the same camp as you, actually. I said recently on uh, the Strickland podcast, like, he's just not coming. It's fine. But I think the other thing to consider is, well, like, I feel like 
maybe I'm not in the best position to understand what someone wants. What is motivation? Someone who I have never met. Like we know he wants, we know that he wanted to go to LA. We know that he wanted to live in San Diego. We also know that if things aren't working out and by this, by the point, you know, people are listening to this. Um, it could be it that could the be Jazz 3 up 3-0. It could be up 3-0. And, and the sort of thing where it's like, well, what happens if he says, what else is out there? And not only what else is out there, but what is out there and what can they do to build around me? And so I just, I can't in good conscience be but, like, this is what he's going to do because who would have thought that, you know, like who would have thought LeBron would just take a sabbatical to go to the Lakers? Okay. He had a free trip to, to Cleveland. And I know that he, you know, maybe yeah. he's an anomaly, but like, then who would have thought Kevin Durant would go to the Warriors and, and completely shift the imbalance of power and all these things. So I, I think that it's, it's tough for, for me, us to say like, he's going to stay. How, why would he leave? I just think the idea of like, if they lose in the second round for the second season in a row and Paul George keeps playing like Paul George, or is like in game two, playoff, he had maybe, he had maybe the worst uh, best game I've ever seen, at least from a stat line. Well, numbers uh, look good, but that's about it. Right. Exactly. So no, I mean, if, you, if you're, if you're Kawhi Leonard, but here's the thing, if you're, if you're Kawhi Leonard and you sign on the dotted line, you're basically saying like, all right, I think Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris and Luke Kennard and Terrence Mann and Eva, Eva, Ivaka. Ivanka Zubac. I always get his first name wrong. Um, are going to be my third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, whatever, eighth best players for the foreseeable future. Because guess what? They don't have any flexibility to do anything else. Because, um, I mean, although the, I guess they do have their they have their full mid-level this, this season. But again. No, they don't. Oh, they, they don't? don't? And Okay, I'll add this. They don't have their full mid-level because that would hard cap them and they will oh, be above the hard, the tax apron. That's right. You're so right. they have to use a taxpayer mid-level, which, which is smaller. Like, right. Which is close to like, I think five and a half, six ish. Somewhere like probably. it's not, it's, it's, um, it's enough that like, even if someone wants a ring, they don't want to ring that bad. <laughs> right. And you have to consider like, what if Reggie Jackson leaves because he used Leonard. a game like you to get another contract. Left? Or, or Nick Batum. What if Batum is like, you know, I made a ton of money with Charlotte and they're still going to pay me for another two years because they stretched my contract. But if I can get a starting opportunity and get paid more and play for a decent team, like I'll do that. He could go to a team for the mid-level. And, and oh, I forgot about Nick Batum. That's my bad. No, but but still, like there are a lot of ways for this team to kind of splinter. And it's like, well, if they trade Paul George... I'm sure there's a team that's going to want Paul George. He was an all NBA player. Shit. The Knicks may want Paul George if they want it, but it, in a three, in a three, well, that's a conversation yeah. for another day. Point being, yes, it, it, there are a lot of factors at play where Kawhi could look around and be like, maybe this is our ceiling. And do I want to be here if that's our ceiling? So my money is still that he's staying, but you just, they barely escaped the Mavs and they were supposed to really stick it to them. And they didn't. And, they're playing Utah, which is a good team. It's a great team. Best team in the NBA record-wise and net rating, too. And through two games, it's just like, well, if if you can't win one at home and if you go down 3-0, history tells us you're pretty much done. Yeah, no, you're right. Okay, so, well, okay, so Kawhi, um, let's say they trade for Dame Lillard. Let's say they sign Kyle Lowry to a starting salary of $30 million. Let's say they sign Chris Paul to a starting salary of, of $30 million. If they do any of those things, they will still have 
because some money's going to be going back in the deal for Dame. I know he's going to about to set to get a pay raise up to uh, 38 or so. Um, whatever, if, if they do any of those things, they're still going to have enough money left over to give an appreciably large sum of money to someone else to come play basketball for them. Um, whether that player is a Norm Powell or Alonzo Ball what? or a Spencer Dinwiddie or sorry, what are you going to say? I'm sorry, you're saying Kawhi and one of those players and then signing another one? No, no, I'm saying no. I'm sorry, I Kawhi or Dame oh, or okay. Lowry or yes. Chris. Paul. You, your first banana trade for Bradley Beal, whatever. You, whatever first banana they p- could conceivably go out and get. Um, I realize Lowry is not really in the same caliber as those other players, but for argument's sake, they're still going to have enough money in addition to that first um, banana of free agency to go out and get a pretty damn good second banana of free agency. And that's those, those other, those other players. And then in addition to that, still have um, the room um, mid-level. Do you, I, I, for me, this this is the last thing I'll say, the, the, the tough questions of the summer come with if you do spend a ton of money on the one guy is the remaining cap space that you have better spent bringing back some of your existing pieces, maybe two or three of your existing pieces or going all in on a second bigger salary Um, or in the um, potentially likely event that they have nobody that they could sign that is worth committing 30 plus or even 25 plus million dollars worth of cap space to. Um, what do you do then? Um, you know, I, and I'm, I'm very curious. I'm very curious. There are a lot of different directions that they could go. We're going to go through, like I said, a lot of those directions in the weeks to come. Um, but any other closing thoughts from you, uh, Jeremy? No, I think that's well said. It'll be interesting to see how they can navigate because then you like the idea of trading for a star. If you don't have another one here, uh, if you, especially if you don't, consider Randall one or, or even RJ, then it's like, well, how do you get that next guy? You've traded assets, you've traded salary for that player. Do you then have to trade for the next guy? Because you're not really going to be able to squeeze in one in free agency based on the size of things. So a lot of different directions the Knicks could go. I think another really fascinating one would be if Kawhi, for example, said like, this isn't working in LA. I, I'm be comfortable going to New York, but I also want someone else to go with me. There is the possibility where the Knicks then use someone like Randall as trade bait instead. Just like the, the point being that there are so many different options oh my and opportunities God. that it's just like it's it's almost impossible to kind of like keep an eye. It very much feels like the Doctor Strange. Well, thing. It, if you if you'd like to imagine a world where you know. Cool. I can't believe I say this. Out loud. If you were going with this, and- no, I mean, I love, I'm, look. If you want to imagine a world where Kawhi comes in free agency and they center a, a Dame Lillard trade around Julius Randle and like a shit ton of picks, well, um, but you, you, in that case, you wouldn't have to give up as many picks because you're giving because Randall's an pretty all good. NBA player. Sure. And if, if well, the, if, if, yes. I mean. If the Blazers want Randall in that case, they can keep him. Or maybe it's a three them, team. They, they want. Right. Maybe it's a three team deal. And exactly. you, you want to bring in Lillard and then you want to have cap space left over to sign, um, you know, Kyle Lowry. I don't know how Lowry and Dame Lillard, but like, again, the, the point of this is not to, you could do an actual team building exercise. The right. point is that there are, these are the sorts of flex. This is the sort of flexibility that the Knicks have at their disposal this summer, which is a beautiful thing. And, um, and it's not something that should be wasted. Um, so if you're going to sign, um, 
anybody to multiple years, um, do so wisely. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, Jeremy, this is awesome. I can't wait to do more of these little exercises with you in the weeks to come, getting into the nitty gritty of, you know, fitting in specific guys and whatnot. Um, but I hope you enjoyed. Again, if you listen to this pod and you want to uh, dip into the YouTube channel to kind of just take a quick look at the caps cap sheet, you could do that. Um, anything else I'm forgetting? Or is that it? I think that's it for the most part. I think since, that's it. Since you and Andrew last talked, not that much has happened, which is nice. Which is Again, nice. I think we're going to get a couple of down weeks here, but... Um, We'll find things to talk about. Oh, I mean, listen, we always have things to talk about. It's me and you. Uh, Okay. On that note, uh, everybody, uh, thank you for listening to another episode of the Next Film School podcast. We'll be back with you uh, with uh, our uh, another edition of our normally scheduled program um, next Monday. But in the meantime, we'll got a couple uh, banger episodes for you um, coming up the rest of this week. So stay tuned for that. And everybody uh, have a good week. 